Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, minister. I always enjoy uh, hanging around minister and hearing him sing my sermons. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Second Corinthians 4.13, the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is essential um, to do the will of God, essential in leadership, maintaining a spirit of faith. And uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul said, that's what we have. That's what we having. So you can imagine if you were um, hanging out with Paul, the spirit of faith, imagine what kind of a revelation you would get but also imagine what kind of adversity you would get. And Paul said, because of the abundance of revelation, because of the abundance of revelation, in other words, the devil don't like it when you get revelation knowledge. But the source of the spirit of faith is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, the spirit of faith is literally fueled by Ephesians chapter one, which is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And uh, he says, that spirit of wisdom revelation, the eyes of your heart flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So as a believer, uh, you must have the spirit of wisdom revelation or you must see and know uh, what the word says and see and know Really, Paul's talking about his revelation specifically, his revelation of who we are in Christ, his revelation of what happened from the cross to the throne. And in Paul's revelation, you have several fundamental um, um, categories. One, in Paul's revelation, uh, and you study what uh, theologians call soteriology, which is the study of salvation. Uh, the word sozo, that's a, comes from that. Sozo is how you're saved. The word saved doesn't just mean going to heaven. It means deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, and soundness. So most people like that part of Paul's revelation is how you're saved, delivered, blessed, and healed. We call that soteriology. But by no means is that the only thing that the apostle Paul taught on. And uh, Paul's letters, there is a lot of teaching on what we call ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, the study of the church, the church being the body of Christ and the church being members in particular and the church being some assembly required and the church being a study of supernatural relationships and the supply that comes from maintaining fellowship with supernatural relationships. That means with the people that God connects you to yeah. that fellowship. He, Paul says there's a supply of the spirit that comes from the ecclesia when the body of Christ is assembled. So you can see the last couple of years, the enemy has attacked the body of Christ because there's some assembly required. In other words, it'll work better. The body of Christ works better when it's together. Like your body works better when it's together. And it's like your car actually runs better when it is assembled. And you could have all the parts in the garage, but it still ain't going to go anywhere unless it's assembled. 
So there's some assembly required knowing your place in the body of Christ, allowing the Lord to set you in your place and allowing promotion to come from him. Amen. So a lot of times Christians, I think many times are looking for more soteriology, which soteriology again means what? Salvation, deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, soundness, blessing. Christians are looking really for that deliverance from whatever they're dealing with, healing, uh, blessing, victory in their life. So Paul masters soteriology and how it's received. But he also teaches on ecclesiology, which is the study of the body of Christ and the supply that comes through maintaining fellowship in the body of Christ. Even in 1 John, 1st chapter, he talks about the dangers of broken fellowship. Not only fellowship with God, but fellowship with the body of Christ. And so there's a supply that comes from ecclesiology, and that's a major part of Paul's revelation. Now, most people like soteriology. And most people like it the more you teach on soteriology, you know. And well, that's how you're blessed. And that includes what happened from the cross to the throne. I mean, we all, we all love that tremendous revelation of what Jesus has done for us and what it produces. So that's a major part of Paul's revelation. But by no means is that all there is to Paul's revelation. So ecclesiology. So let's just say it this way. Uh, <clears throat> honoring. Maintaining supernatural relationships in the body of Christ. So the Lord said to me, some people want more, more soteriology, but their soteriology is limited because they don't honor ecclesiology. In other words, the supply that will come from you honoring the fivefold ministry Apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, honoring that they are gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ, honoring those that are in the body of Christ that are over you, some that are under you, some that are your peers, recognizing the value of those relationships and don't treat them natural and recognize that supply that comes because it comes from the Lord Jesus. He said, actually, if you could really uh, do, do better with your ecclesiology, you'd actually have better results from your soteriology. All right, let's try that again one more time because a lot of times people will say, well, you know, as old so-and-so, I don't need them or I don't need that preacher or I don't need that evangelist or I don't need that ministry or I don't even need that person. But you have to be careful who you think you don't need. Come on, because sometimes you don't, at face value, you may not necessarily appreciate somebody. I mean, one of my favorite T-shirts says, I make a good second impression. Because <laughs> everybody talks about how important it is to make a good first impression. So you say, well, if you didn't like the first one, I'd make a good second impression. So, so a lot of times your first impression of somebody, like I mentioned Charles Cowan and Brother Copeland, you know, when he first heard him, immediately he just didn't think he wanted to have anything to do with him. But the Holy Spirit said, sit down and be still because he's going to show you something. So understanding that the value. So here's the way the Lord said it to me years ago. He said, um, there's important things that you need to know that I will not tell you. If I told it to someone you're supposed to be in relationship with, you'll have to get it from them. 
All right, so let's try this one more time. In other words, uh, there's a revelation, a supply that you need from a certain ministry gift, including your pastor, come on, and other ministry gifts that you think, well, I don't need that. I mean, I can just go here straight from Jesus. Well, why would he design the supply to come through the body of Christ and you reject that? Come on, you won't honor that. You won't, you won't, you won't take the place that you're supposed to take in honoring that relationship. Amen and respect in that relationship. And so you treat it as a normal thing. And so there's a supply uh, that would come to your faith that will not be there because you didn't honor that relationship. And honor always, honor always requires two things. Number one, it's going to cost you time and it's going to cost you money. Honor's always expensive. Now you can respect with words but you only honor it with substance. So a lot of times people, they think, well, I give people respect. So here's, but he said, now you can respect people with words and that's better than nothing. But if you want to crank it up to a place where you're expecting the Lord Jesus to give you a supply through that relationship, you're going to have to go beyond respect. Honor. Honor. And someplace the Bible even talks about double honor. And you were struggling with single honor. Y'all still here. So now listen close. You don't have to dishonor. Just refuse to honor. All right, let's try this out over here. I said, you don't have to dishonor. Come on, maybe uh, your pastor or some ministry gift or maybe some other relationship. Even you know, there's many applications to this. So you don't have to dishonor. Just refuse to honor. So a lot of times people say, well, I, you know, I, 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 I really honor so-and-so. Well, if that's a key relationship, the Lord has assigned to be significant in your life and you don't make time and it costs you something to honor. All right. And so Jesus, uh, Mark chapter six, he marveled at their unbelief. Now I always say Jesus only marveled twice. <laughs> He marveled, Mark chapter 6, he marveled at what? Their unbelief. When else did he marvel? Matthew chapter 8, when the centurion said what? Speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. So Jesus really only marveled twice. That's the only time I can see that he marveled. So when it, when it says he marveled, they must have been able to tell that he was marveling because he only did that twice. So they wrote it down. He marveled. So they must have had a marveling type expression on his face or something. And they like, wow, he marveled. <laughs> so he only marveled twice. So why didn't he marvel more? Well, when you've been around forever, you don't marvel as much as other people. <laughs> and when you actually created everything, you don't marvel that much. Matter of fact, they were marveling at the, at the temple, like some people would do with some fancy church. You know, the, they, they were marveling. Jesus said, ah, it ain't nothing. Uh, I'll tear it down and rebuild it in three days. You know? <laughs> in other words, things that people marvel about, God does not marvel about that. J Jesus did not marvel about that. 
I mean, I, I use the illustration. I was watching an RV show because, uh, you know, we used to travel from church to church, and state to state, city to city, and we did it constantly. So we did got tired of staying in hotels and stuff like that. So, so I bought a little uh, Airstream trailer, and we traveled in that, and our kids were little. And then after that, you did that for a few. Then I got me a motor home, you know, and we traveled in that. Then, then I got a big motor home. <laughs> and so I still, I still kind of like, I like, I don't, I don't know if it's like a remembering the old days or there's a sense of like escape from people <laughs> that if people don't like you, just crank it up, baby, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of town. I'd crank it up from, from Phoenix, Arizona. I'd crank it up. Uh, we'd preach Sunday through Wednesday usually. So I'd crank it up on Wednesday night after church and I'd drive from Phoenix all the way to Houston, Texas all night long. You say, how did you do it? Well, I was younger back in those days. <laughs> Number two, the kids went to sleep. So it was worth it <laughs> for other sanity reasons. Right, but practically the way I did it was I basically ate Cheetos, and carrots. carrots, celery, Cheetos, drink coffee all night long. If I get sleepy, you know, can't hardly sleep eating Cheetos. It's like <laughs> <laughs> then I'd get on my on my CB CC. What they call it, CB player. Huh? CB radio, right? So, so that had there. So you could hear all the truck drivers. Well, I had a really nice motorhome with a really strong diesel motor. So, <laughs> and they'd be saying, "Say, hey there, preacher man, how you keeping up with those trucks?" I said, "Got a good motorhome, man. So you know Jesus is Lord." Oh, preacher man, yeah, we know the good man upstairs. I said, yeah, that would be the almighty God. <laughs> the son, Jesus, so that'd keep you awake, you know. God don't go second class, baby. I'm running right past you, man. <laughs> Watch out for the, what do they call them back in those? Watch out for the state troopers and stuff, they'd tell you where they were, you know, what they call them, the Smokies and the whatever. I forgot now, it's been so long. <laughs> and so we would just travel. So I still had, <clears throat> I still have like a, a certain affinity for RV parks and, and RV places where they sell RVs. And Trento still laughs at me like, you know, a couple of nights ago, uh, we were in a hotel room and I'm like this. She said, what you looking at? I said, uh, I see, uh, what I'm looking at, um, oh, okay, uh, let's see, on YouTube, they're talking about the latest little motorhome, <laughs> and they got the bathroom in the back, it makes for a larger place there, because, you know, like, you could, like, in most RVs, you could have the bathroom, toilet, and the sink right there, so you could, like, and spit at the same time. So you could do that because you got everything close. <laughs> so I'm pretty um, 
because they get newer ideas, you know, newer chassis and motors and all kinds of things. And, and so uh, sometimes I'll go, I'll, I'll go somewhere and look at some RVs or something and, and uh, I'll tell Trina, I'm, I'm getting me another one. I'm getting me another one. I'm telling just for memory's sake, I'll just go out every once in a while and sit in it just for memory's sake. I mean, they'll arrange payments, you know, $300 a month for the next 15 years. So... <laughs> By the time you get it paid for, the whole thing fell apart. So, anyway, that's, that's the RVs. <laughs> and so that, that's the way that we would travel. And uh, so we'd keep the kids together and have the bathroom, you know, and have the kitchen and everything there. And uh, we would travel from place to place. And um, uh, usually four days in each place. And, um, and uh, teach and preach the word. Well, there were some places that they would receive the word better. They'd receive you better. And then you could develop a lifetime relationship with them. And uh, Charles, can you take care of things and be still? <laughs> you can dress him up. You just can't take him out. So, anyway. <laughs> No, what I'm thinking about, Charles and Deborah, <laughs> they take care of us in grand style. Amen. So they take care of us in grand style. They're amazing. Praise the Lord. So the supply that comes from the minister gifts, so the Lord said there's important things that you need to know that I'm not going to tell you directly. But when you recognize a supernatural relationship and you honor that relationship, then that supply will come to you through them. Wow, man. So I do. you just got to identify, you got to identify who that is because you can't run with every dog that hunts. That's try to, that's what people try to run with every dog that hunts, man. Now you can, you got TV, live stream, Facebook, and they're like, well, I got something from that dog. Yeah, I got something from that dog over there. But you better find out what dog you're supposed to be running with. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Otherwise, you won't have enough time. So honor costs you two things. What? Time. And money. And it's going to cost you money. And so honor Honor the Lord with your substance. So we're really talking about ecclesiology and that honor to God really also breaks out in honor to each other. So if you don't honor the relationships, the ones the Lord puts in your life that he says are significant, then there'll be a, uh, there won't be a supply that needs to come to you from the revelation of the word or from the Holy Spirit. And so you'll be wondering why your soteriology ain't working right. What's well, soteriology? Man, that's the blessing of the Lord. That's deliverance and safety and healing, all of that. But it doesn't just come just from the Lord. A lot of times it comes from those he uh, assembles you with, can connect you to. Amen. So in Paul's revelation, it covers a lot of material. Actually, uh, you can really see in Paul's letters that he's got uh, Romans, what is chapter 16, and he lists all the people that he thanks. It's a whole chapter of thanking people. And I've heard other people say, well, you know, you just, you know, we just uh, thank the Lord. We don't have to be thankful to other people. Well, where'd you get that from? Huh? 
You better, you better dance with who brung you. You better know who brung you. Amen. 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 Or you end up not going to no dance. So you got to identify that and recognize that. Amen. Because if you keep abandoning significant relationship in your life, one day you're just going to find yourself alone, wondering why your soteriology ain't working. Amen. And, and uh, sticking with it through thick and thin. Amen. Now, don't just be a fair weather friend. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in Paul's revelation, he covers really the, the whole uh, picture of redemption. And it was soteriology, then ecclesiology, then he covers eschatology, which is really one of my least favorite subjects. Because there's just been so many liars. I mean, we had 88 reasons why Jesus came in 88 and we're still here. I mean, then the guy rewrote the book to 89 reasons and we're still here. They had to go to 90 reasons and now we're like at 2,021 reasons. I mean, I'm not saying that he's ignorant. That's just so much that he knows just ain't true. <laughs> My quote from Ronald Reagan. All right, so... So we need, we need eschatology. Paul talks about the last days and we're living the signs of the last days and the importance of that. But, but uh, you know, when I grew up in church, my dad, uh, <clears throat> my dad pastor, so he had different speakers come in. I liked some, didn't like others, you know. But he'd, he'd bring in different speakers and bump. some of them, by the time they're finished preaching, you think, well, Jesus coming tonight. So I've actually gotten saved many times. I don't even know if that's theologically uh, possible, but I've been saved a bunch of times. <laughs> so I heard one guy say, I heard you did something, did that. And he said, well, that's before the last time I got saved. <laughs> so, so, uh, I mean, we're like, so I came home from school one day, you know, I knew that if we had a clear day, then Jesus probably ain't coming because the Bible says he's coming in the clouds. So I'm like, well, I can get away with a little more of this today. There ain't, he ain't coming today. Well. Don't want to get stuck behind, you know, with the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and who knows what else. And so I got home from school one day and I thought, oh, well, man, I was home alone. And so nobody else was home. My mother wasn't home. My dad wasn't home. So I started thinking, you know, I, I, I might have missed the rapture. I know it was a possibility. <laughs> Don't look so holy. I know you'd have missed it too. So I thought, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I might have missed the rapture. You know, I thought, Lord, have mercy. So I said, Lord, if you know, if you're taking another load up anytime soon, I, I'm repenting right now. So I was getting a little desperate, you know, so uh, I made a few phone calls. I'm trying to call some of the saints in the church to see if anybody answers, and nobody answered. I'm like, nobody answered this other houses. So I'm getting a little more nervous. I'm like, man, I missed the rapture. And 
directly my older brother came home from school and I thought, well, I know that heathen to miss the rapture. So I ain't, <laughs> that didn't give me no comfort. <laughs> so you're doing all the repenting in case you might catch the last load up or something. And so, <laughs> so that was my eschatology. Right. And so, sure, we need the teaching. I'm just telling you, that's my least favorite subject because there's just so many variables. But no variables with soteriology. It is just absolute. It is what it is. Come on. And ecclesiology, no variables. Right. It is what it is. But eschatology is like so many variables, you know. I, I had a guy come to my church and well, right before uh, 2020, uh, was that right? 2020? No, no, it's right before 2000, 1999, lasted a couple of Sundays before 2000. And so they goes, he goes in this whole sermon, does a whole sermon on, uh, uh, the banking system was not, you know, designed the computers to go from 1999 to 2000. So all your bank accounts will be shut down. And then, uh, this could be the very end of the whole world. And, and you might need to get some water in your garage and you might need to get you some, uh, powder pancakes or something, you know, to get, put that like in a big can. And so <laughs> anyway, he was saying, everything's going to happen on January 1st, you know, December 31st. I'm telling you, this is the end of the world. Man, my people, my, I was embarrassed. My church people, they're just like, Pastor, how come nobody ever told us that? I said, because it's a lie. It's why nobody told you that. <laughs> I had to get up the next Sunday. And <laughs> it's like my daddy would say, you know, they'd say, well, you know, figures don't lie. He said, yeah, but liars figure. So, so I had to get up the next Sunday and make everybody settle down about eschatology. Like, you know, you don't need all that water. I mean. You don't need all the pancakes and stuff like that. You don't need a wind-up radio. I see some of y'all got some of that stuff because I can tell by looking at you right now. You know, how do you know I had them pancakes? Well, once your neighbors find out, they're going to come knock you out and get it anyway. So, I mean, you might just grow some tomato plants or something in the backyard. I mean, some okra and stuff like that. Get some chickens, you know, get them to lay some eggs. <laughs> you, you, might, you might lose a few neighbors, right? <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't know if I even have a green thumb. I only have one left, so I don't know if I could actually grow stuff or not. <laughs> All right, so, so from eschatology, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, you know, when people start saying, you know, I think there was a red moon or something, and you just don't know what could happen when that happens. Well, you know, full moon, I mean, that might get your attention. You start going, the, why am I feeling this way? I mean, 
Anyway, so eschatology, <laughs> you know, has a lot of variables, right, eschatology. We know Jesus is coming soon. Could be any moment, you know. Um, we hope, you know, all of y'all make it. <laughs> You better treat me good, right? So, uh, the next one, let's get off of eschatology because there's some people that just love that stuff, man. They're like, well, there's the sign again. I said, well, that's been happening for the last 50 years. So, we're living in the last days, no, no question. And certain things happen in the last days. I like to focus on God's going to pour out his spirit in the last days. Man, a massive harvest of souls in the last days. So all that needs to be taught. I'm just saying it's not my favorite subject. So, so you go on from, from that, from uh, eschatology. And so you can imagine what I was doing in Bible college, you know, for four years. And you have this giant book, you know, and you're studying all this. Professors talking and you're like, got a Kenneth Hagin book on faith in the middle of that. You know, and you're reading and he's like, he is really enjoying this class. Well, I had Kenneth Hagin book in the middle of my... <laughs> Because I figured if I'm going to live by faith anyway, then this is the victory that overcomes the world. So I might as well. Amen. All right. So now we'll go. <laughs> now we're going to go to uh, pneuma, pneumatology. And I like pneumatology, right? So look at Romans chapter 8. You'll see a little bit of the, the pneumatology in Romans chapter 8. And the word pneuma is just the Greek word for spirit. And there's really no cap, capital or small case S, letters in the, in the Greek. So you have to determine by the uh, scripture, whether it's talking about the human spirit, the realm of the spirit, or the spirit of God, because God is a spirit. So this is one of my favorite subjects now, because you're talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit so that you have the assurance that you are a child of God. So one of the greatest chapters in Paul's letters and Paul's revelation is uh, Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters. Whoo, praise the Lord. Man, I love Romans chapter 8. So you read Romans chapter 8, sometimes just read the whole chapter. Read the whole chapter, Romans chapter 8. And no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, walk not after the flesh, after the spirit. And then Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is a spiritual law of life in Christ that lifts you out of the dominion of the law of sin and death. And it is that spiritual law that accesses the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual law. Same thing, the law of faith and the law of the spirit of life. Two spiritual laws that are spiritual forces that enable you to access the realm of God, which is the spirit realm, because he is a spirit. So in Romans chapter 8, uh, years ago I was studying Romans chapter 8, and so I, I started underlining every time the word spirit was used in Romans chapter 8. And I counted it, I think I came up with 21 times in Romans chapter 8 that he uses the word spirit, referencing the spirit of man, the spirit of God, or the realm of the spirit. And uh, how 
This law of the spirit of life in Christ worked. And so Paul, in his revelation, he must have known something. His revelation of how the law of the spirit of life in Christ operates. Hmm. Then he comes right along and says, through the spirit, you mortify the deeds of the body. The word mortify means to deaden, put to death. So he says, you're not just trying to control yourself, trying harder. He says, but once you approach that from the spirit, he says, then you can neutralize that no matter what it is. Amen. And so Paul talking about the spirit in first Corinthians 14, he said, when I pray in other tongues, my spirit prays and my mind or my intellect doesn't even know what I'm saying. So why would God design this language where your spirit prays and your spirit's edified and your spirit is speaking mysteries or divine secrets and talking to God and your mind don't even, can't even get involved. Really frustrating for your mind, isn't it? You know, entertainment for your mind. Come on, your mind demands more attention. Your flesh demands more attention. And uh, Paul says, let me tell you about this Holy Spirit that dwells in you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells and lives on the inside of you. And he said, and that spirit will, the Holy Spirit will, now quicken your mortal body. Give life. Many people get healed just off of Romans chapter 8, verse 11. When you got Revelation or Romans 8, you get healed right off of Romans 8, 11. Come on, stuff attacking your body. You say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me, and he gives life to my mortal body. That means my molecules, my blood, my bones, my bone marrow, come on, my brain, my heart, my lungs, every part of me. There's life on the inside flowing in there, and he calls that spiritual life that flows. And he said, and that spiritual life is not just something that occasionally could happen. He said, it's a spiritual law once you understand how the law works. Boy, that gets the devil in a lot of trouble, doesn't it? Once you understand how this law operates, it will lift you out of the law of sin and death. That means you're going to get better results. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. And then he comes right over here to Romans chapter 8. And, it, and how many times? 21 times he says the spirit. Come on. The spirit. Then Jesus said it is the spirit that quickens or gives life. Flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit. Amen. Jesus said my words are spirit and they are life. The crowning achievement of the plan of redemption is for you to have spiritual life or eternal life in your spirit. Once that life comes into your spirit, the devil cannot dominate any person that has that life in their spirit because it's the life of God. Come on, you cannot be defeated. Amen. First John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In other words, this ingredient in your faith means you know you have eternal life. He that has the son has this life. In other words, it's a spiritual substance, comes from God, quickens you, gives life to your spirit, and immediately delivers you from Satan's kingdom. Immediately. It's, it's spiritual life. Flows in your spirit. What else does it do? Well, it, it actually will increase your intellect, make you smarter. 
Amen. It'll enhance your personality. Come in and make you free, you know, from what people think about you. You are an original, so go ahead and enjoy yourself. Amen. Don't have to be like everybody else. Praise the Lord. Amen. The only person you won't be like is Jesus anyway, right? So, so that life, and it quickens your spirit, and then your spirit comes alive, which is what, really what Adam lost in the beginning. And now God said, I'm going to give you this eternal life, which is eternal Eternal, and eternal has reference to the kind of the life it is and the quality of the life it is, not the length. In other words, it could better be translated, it is the life of the eternal one. It literally is, uh, Jesus made life, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So now we know Celine Dion is not the only one that has immortality. She said she did in the song with the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees, immortality. I don't even know that song. Well, that's a real pretty song. But you know you can only get that from Jesus. It's a controlled substance here. He that hath the Son hath the life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. You cannot get it from religion. You've got to get it from Jesus. Amen. Endless life. A life in which there is no death. It's the life of God. Amen. It's the number one reason Jesus came is to give us that life. Quickens your spirit, brings you back to where you can walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, pray in the spirit. And so the Lord said to me, he said, whatever your problem is, your answer is in the spirit. All right, let's try that again. Whether it's a money problem, an attitude problem, a physical problem, whatever you're dealing with, he said your answer is in the Spirit. The moment you get over into the realm of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, you yield to him, and your inner man, that life flows in your spirit, praise the Lord, you will overcome whatever it is. I said whatever it is, you will overcome it. And uh, Jay Dickey, uh, married to Janice, who was Janice Yoder, which uh, was on Brother Hagen's board, Brother, Brother Yoder, and they went to be with the Lord. Anyway, so he was, he was coming down with uh, COVID, the virus. His wife's a nurse. She knew exactly what he had. She, she got out her stethoscope and she put it on his chest. Boy, you're, you're breathing. So you're in bad shape. Your lungs in bad shape. I'm going to take you straight to the hospital. Jay's laying there in a recliner, and uh, she said he laid there a few minutes. She said, then he jumped out of the recliner, and he said, I got too much of the life of God on the inside of me for any virus to control my body. He jumped up. I got the life of God in the inside of me. She said he got up the next morning and went to work totally free from uh, COVID and Movid and everything else that goes with it. Come on, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. One translation says it lifts me out. Come on, I said it lifts me out. Come on, lifts me out. Come on, whatever's trying to pull you down, there's another law that'll lift you out. Whatever's trying to hold you down, come on, this'll lift you out. This is a spiritual law. Come on, Paul knew about this. Come on, that's why when he's in prison, he just activates that law. Start praising God. Glory to God. 
Well, go ahead and shout about it. Hallelujah. I got, I got the life of God. Spirit's alive. My spirit is alive. Come on, my spirit is alive. With the life of God. Glory to God. Go ahead and shout a little bit longer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I got the life of God. Come on, this is overcoming life. This is victory life. This is healing life. This is love life. This is joy life. This is blessing life. I got the life. I got the life. He that has the son has the life. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, this is a reality. This is a spiritual substance. The life of God, the God kind of life in your spirit, in your spirit. Imagine what happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost and rivers of that life start coming flowing right out of you. Dad Hagen said, he said, you can look at most Christians' countenance and tell when they lost the glory. Let their flesh dominate him. Let their mind dominate him. Because this life in him was life, and it was the light. Come on, it'll brighten up your countenance. Come on, make you look different than everybody else at Walmart. I mean, you come in there. I got the life of God. What's coming out of that, man? You might be singing, hallelujah. Come on, walking around singing. Well, I got eternal life. What you talking about? I got the God kind of life. Where did you get it from? I got it from Jesus. He that has a son has life. I got that life. I got it from Jesus. Woo. So part of the revelation of it is to know you got it. All right, let's try it again. Know what you got. Know you got it. Know what it is. Boldly declare you got it. Come on, declare your faith. This is what I got, the life of God in me. And it'll lighten you up. It'll, it'll, when you walk in the room, somebody with the life of God just walked in. Hallelujah. You pray in the Holy Ghost, your spirit is accessing that Romans 8 2. Amen. You go on down throughout Romans chapter 8, whoo, and get down to the next part of it, and we'll cover the rest of it later. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. Here's what Brother Copeland said. He said, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. You know the name of his program. It's called the Believer's Voice of Victory for you. And he said, I realize, he talked about when he first started studying the Word of Faith, he said, I realize that there is victory in the new birth. Let's try that again. In other words, you don't have to be saved 38 years. The moment you have been born of God, the one translation says you've been refathered by God. Another translation says you've received the new life from God. There's victory in that life. 
You ought to go ahead and act like you're winning. Say, man, I'm winning. I got that victory in that life. I've been born of God. I got refathered by God. Come on, number one, know you got it. Number two, know what it is. Number three, declare it. I got the life of God in me. Overcomes the devil. What do you want to say, Trina? It extends itself to the domain. Uh, yeah, that's a definition from, uh, what's the guy's name? W. Vine. That it will one day extend its domain to the sphere of your body. Amen. But you have it in you now, which is eternal life. You actually are immortal now. The only thing that makes you different than God is he had no beginning or end. You have that same life, but you did have a beginning. I can't sing like Celine Dion. But when you're talking to people that know they have eternal life, the song says, we don't ever say goodbye. We always say, I'll see you later. Come on, a Christian at the funeral of a loved one. Come on now, memorial service and your mom or your dad or your brother, your sister or someone you love. We don't ever say goodbye. We say, I'll see you later, baby, because I know we have eternal life. Immortality. Ha, ha, ha. Well, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know I have eternal life. Woo! That life, I like to say it this way, um, every religion offers lessons. But only Jesus Christ gives life. Try it again. Every religion, come on, there's a lot of good religions, a lot of good lessons but none of them can give you eternal life. Only Jesus Christ can give you eternal life. How I many know you got more than just a lesson when you came to Jesus? I got the life of God. I got eternal life. I've been born again, refathered. So you have more than just a lesson. But let me tell you something else that's different about Jesus. Not only does he give you eternal life, but there's even life in his lesson. Well, you ought to shout about that. I'm finished. Praise the Lord. Even laughing his lesson. 